0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Legal Happenings from KRWC. On this holiday weekend, hot holiday weekend it is, my name is John McCooley, and I'm the volunteer host of this program, which is coming to you as a public service of KRWC. We're now in our fifth year of providing information on our court systems, legal resources, things of that nature. And up until we had this uh, COVID 19 pandemic, uh, we used to do a lot of, of course, free law clinics, and that was very popular. People needed to know about that. Well, of course, right now we can't get to that. We're hoping that we can as soon as possible because those kinds of programs are very helpful for folks who are not familiar with the courts. And uh, of course, being unfamiliar with something, it makes it that much more difficult. So, anyway, it's a public service to you folks, and we invite you to stick around for. Not only that information, but also District Court Judge Greg Galler has did a legal commentary on the costs of a DWI, the cost totaling $15,000 for the first offense. Can you imagine that? So you might like to stick around for that. And secondly, a little bit later on, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey is going to be talking about the power of a subpoena. How important is it? What role does it play in the court system? And I think you'll learn something by listening to those commentaries, which have been going now for about five years on 150 different topics. So you might uh, like to give that a listen. Meanwhile, I'll just uh, brief you and let you know a little bit about myself. I was the uh, law librarian for Wright in Sherburne County way back in ending in 2012 at Wright County and 2014 in Sherman, But we still continue to learn and share information. I receive no pay for this. The station doesn't get paid. It's all a public service of sharing knowledge and information that is so helpful to find something. It's so easy if you know where to look. For example, our Minnesota website, mncourts.gov, is the primary website for all information on the court system you might like to write that down mncourts.gov and it's the judicial branch website official site that provides information from uh, well a to z anything from coming up jury duty if you can get to jury duty and that will tell you how to find out later but If you want to learn anything, it's at that website, and it's a good one. And from there, we gather information on court forms, or maybe you're looking to do child support, or you're doing a divorce, or you have to uh, buy something on uh, one of the web pages and you don't know where the title is. You might have to get a new title. Those kinds of forms are all available right on your computer by simply going to the premier website of www.mncourts.gov. That, again, is our court site website for the Minnesota judicial system, and it's just a terrific site for all the information that you'll need if you're self-represented. rather, The Minnesota State Bar Association is where you need to go for having a legal problem, a legal question, and they have a great website at helpdesk at mnbar.org, helpdesk at mnbar.org for when you need an attorney. And, of course, a lot of times you don't need an attorney. You might be able to work something out through an ADR process. That's something you might like to consider. I was just thinking about that. Uh, We're on the 4th of July. We're celebrating our independence, and I'm considerably, uh, considerably older than most of you. And I can remember that when we had problems way back in the 50s, we would try to work things out without going to court. And that's what makes alternative dispute resolution so popular. It saves money and time and what stress and all of that. So you might like to look that up uh, on the website at the mncourts.gov. It says ADR, Alternative Dispute Resolution, which includes arbitration and mediation. But there are ways to try to avoid going to court and save some money, and they've proven to be very successful. So you might like to remember that. But again, if you are served with papers or you need an attorney, contact the Minnesota State Bar at helpdesk at mnbar.org. Well, let's see, it's about five minutes into the program, but I do want to remind you that Judge Galler is going to talk about DWI, and I think you're going to find that. So let's uh, put that on, and we can talk about it after this.
1: This is Minnesota District Court Judge Greg Galler. Welcome to Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC, radio for Wright County. Have you ever had too much to drink? and woke up with a headache, you probably thought, I wish I hadn't had that last drink. In this holiday season, with its usual gatherings, it's wise to remember that along with the parties, all too often comes tragedy. Each year, about 40,000 people are arrested for DWI, just in Minnesota. Sadly, about 40% of those will be arrested for DWI again. I have seen thousands of these cases. Many families are truly destroyed by the consequences. While the most tragic harm from impaired driving involves the lives that are ended and the bodies and families that are irreparably damaged, a DWI also carries tremendous monetary costs, even if there is no crash. What are the costs of a typical first-time DWI in Minnesota? Well, first, you might be held in jail overnight. That's not free. Many jails charge a fee of about $100 per night. Next, your car will have been towed. Expect to pay at least $200 for the tow and impound charges. Next, you will need an attorney. An attorney will be able to advise you as to your rights and also determine what defenses may be available to you. Expect to spend at least $1,000 in legal fees. This assumes your case, like most, is settled without a trial. If your case goes to trial, your legal fees will increase greatly. If you plead guilty, expect to receive a fine of about $500. Your fine will carry with it surcharges and fees totaling $87. The law also requires that you obtain an alcohol problem assessment. Unless your insurance covers it, that will set you back an additional $125. You will also likely be required to attend a Mothers Against Drunk Driving Victim Impact Panel about $50, and some form of treatment program. Treatment costs could run into the thousands of dollars. A conviction will also put you on probation for two years. The probation fee is typically about $200. The state of Minnesota will also revoke your driver's license. To get it back, you must pay a reinstatement fee of about $700. Finally, your insurance rates will increase. Rates could triple because you will now be considered to be a high-risk driver. If you were paying $1,500 per year for insurance, you will begin paying $4,500 per year. This will last for at least three years. That is an extra $9,000 in insurance costs. The total is now about $15,000 of direct out-of-pocket costs. Add to this the intangible costs of missed work, being unable to drive, social stigma, and embarrassment. Remember that headache from drinking too much? It just got a whole lot worse. The best advice is not to drive after drinking. Remember, no one ever woke up wishing he had consumed one more drink the night before. Save yourself the headache and the expenses. More importantly, help prevent needless tragedy on our roads. Please have a happy, safe, and sober holiday season. This has been Judge Greg Galler with Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC Radio for Wright County.
0: You're listening to Legal Happenings from KRWC. It's a holiday weekend and that's one of the reasons why we put on this particular legal commentary on DWIs because the party mood is out on a holiday weekend and one can understand why and it It's important to understand how dangerous it is and how expensive it is and so we thank you for listening and to that commentary and be mindful of it perhaps share that information with other people and we do thank judge geller for providing that information judge halsey will be along in a few minutes to tell us about the power of a subpoena let's see i will give you an update on wright county the wright county public health has indicated as of Friday, we've had 452 cases of COVID-19, and that's an increase of 42 cases over last week and two deaths over the last week as well. I understand Governor Waltz is considering a state mandatory mask order currently, and they're monitoring the statewide data to see where the areas are growing quickly and what Rate that is also happening. But again, masks, social distancing, and hand washing, of course, are the best defenses against the COVID 19 or coronavirus. Meanwhile, the Sheriff's Department has announced that the upper lobby of the law enforcement building will be open to the public beginning on Monday. That would be the 6th. And appointments are no longer required for the Sheriff's Office Records window. The civil process window or for application to uh, for a permit to carry a firearm jury visitation however still requires an appointment by calling 763-684-2381 additional information can be found on the sheriff's website at www.co.wright.mn.us and let's see what else have we got going. The Ray County Licensing Bureau is waiting on a walk-up window to fully reopen. That walk-up window will be very helpful and allow residents to get plates, tabs, licenses, and transfers, anything that does not require a photo. And a reminder that National Child Health Heal, or excuse me, National Child Heat Stroke Prevention Week is underway. It's a week of, well, it's actually a period of all the way through September. It's a 90-day period explaining the importance of uh, watching children and protecting them from an overheated automobile. I had no idea that it's the, uh, heat stroke is the leading cause of the automobile non-crash related deaths for children under 14. Each year, an average of 38 children die from heat stroke being left in a car since 1998. In 19, there was 52 deaths, 2018, 51 deaths. That's a lot. So we want to remind everybody to learn more about that. And you can find out how to protect your children and what leads up to these kinds of deaths. At the National Safety Council, they offer a free course online, for the dangers of heat stroke on children, and in three primary circumstances that have led to the dying of children because of it. You can find that on this great website, the Wright County official website, and it's available to you right, of course, on your computer. Well, it's time to take a short break and listen to District Judge Stephen Halsey as he talks about the power of a, may- a, power of a subpoena.
2: Welcome to Legal Happenings here on KRWC Radio. I'm Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County. Uh, My topic today is this question. What is the power behind a subpoena? Frequently we hear in the news that a public official, a private citizen, or a journalist has been served with a subpoena by a government agency or prosecutor. What is a subpoena and why is it seemingly so powerful? A subpoena is not a court order issued by a judge. Rather, it is a creature of statute which has the power of the rule of law behind it, compelling someone to appear for a court hearing or a deposition in a lawyer's office. A subpoena is issued by the court administrator at the request of a party or an attorney in a pending civil or criminal case. In Minnesota, both the courts and attorneys may issue subpoenas under Court Rule 45. A party or attorney shall take reasonable steps to avoid imposing undue burden or expense on a person subject to that subpoena. It cannot be used to harass or abuse. The party or attorney fills in the name of the person or entity to be served with the subpoena and where or when they must appear. Court rules provide for adequate notice in advance of the appearance and the payment of certain fees. For example, an expert witness such as a doctor or other professional person must be paid reasonable compensation for their appearance and testimony, which can be in several hundred or or thousands of dollars. Occasionally, an unrepresented party unfamiliar with the court rules will serve a subpoena on their doctor to appear in a few days for a court hearing or trial without paying the doctor an expert witness fee. The doctor's lawyer typically files a motion to quash or declare null and void the subpoena for violation of the rules of court. During American history, journalists have been served with subpoenas by government agencies to compel their testimony. Often this was for the purpose of con- compelling them to reveal their source in a pending investigation or criminal case. When served with a subpoena, the recipient must make a court appearance but has the opportunity to seek to have the subpoena quashed based on claims of privilege or national security. Failure to respond to a subpoena by failing to appear for a hearing may result in a finding of contempt of court, punishable by incarceration or a fine. Also, in a civil case, the party that served the subpoena may seek an award of attorney's fees from the non-appearing party. Most recently, there has been discussion in the media about whether the president will be served with a subpoena to compel his testimony before a congressional panel investigating Russian interference with the American elections. Several presidents since the 1960s have been served with subpoenas. Congress, Congress has subpoena power under federal law. In 1973, the Watergate special prosecutor, Archibald Cox, subpoenaed White House taping records, but President Nixon refused and fought the subpoenas in court. President Nixon claimed the separation of powers doctrine prohibited the courts from compelling action by the executive branch. Nixon also claimed executive privilege, but Cox disputed it since some of the president's president's aides and former aides had already testified about Watergate matters. A year later, President Nixon resigned. In 1998... President Clinton was served with a subpoena by Independent Counsel Kenneth Starr to testify before a grand jury in the Monica Lewinsky investigation. The following was published in the Washington Post on July 26, 1998. Quote, "...the prospect of being seen defying a subpoena for his testimony, even if he were to couch his opposition in high-sounding constitutional terms is not a politically appealing one for a sitting president. And while Clinton would retain the right of all those called before the grand jury to invoke his rights against self-incrimination, that is perhaps an even less po- politically palatable opinion. Quote. In January 2018, Steve Bannon, President Trump's former chief strategist, was subpoenaed by special counsel Robert Mueller to testify before a grand jury. Mr. Bannon was also served with a subpoena to testify before a congressional panel. In this and other cases, the subpoena has been used to compel cooperation in an investigation by testifying in a less formal setting than a grand jury, such as a videotaped deposition. In summary, the subpoena is a powerful tool for government investigators and lawyers in both civil and criminal proceedings involving citizens in all walks of life but it is not all-powerful and is always subject to constitutional protections afforded through the courts. This concludes my comments about the power of the subpoena. I'm Judge Steve Halsey, Wright County District Court Judge, Chambered in Buffalo. Thank you for listening to Legal Happenings.
0: Thank you, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey. We appreciate these commentaries that the judge provides, and he gives an address sometimes at the back of his broadcast, and his commentary you might wish to write the judge directly and issue uh, an accolade, perhaps, or let the judge know you're listening to him. We appreciate that. Well, this is Legal Happenings. If you have a question, comment, or, or criticism, or an objective what have you, or perhaps a subject that you might like to have addressed. We'd like to know about it. My web address is lawlibrarian at frontier.com. Lawlibrarian at frontier.com. I'd be glad to answer your question and uh, information, that is. We don't give legal advice. For that, you need the Minnesota State Bar Association. But we do give basic information that's readily available to the general public. And so that's one of the reasons why we do this program. And we thank Joe Carlson and the station for their continuing help in providing public information. So it's uh, the 4th of July weekend, and I want to wish everybody a great and uh, pleasant weekend of celebrating our independence. I am so old that when you go way back, I can remember the very first 4th of July that I can really recall, and that was watching a group of soldiers returning from the war in 1945. Boy, that goes back a ways, doesn't it? I was so impressed with that, I asked my mother what all the men were, all the soldiers were doing, and she said they're returning from the war, and I want to tell you, I really felt very proud about that, and I think, and I've always thought, the Fourth of July belongs to our veterans. Because without them, we wouldn't be having the freedoms that we do have. And so we're so thankful for that. And I want to take a moment to let the veterans out there know that uh, we do appreciate them. And I know it's difficult when you return. And times are tough right now all across the spectrum when you think about uh, our COVID-19, things are closed, people are out of work. But we do continually remember those who are uh, important to us, our veterans, and our freedoms. Well, it's about time to move on, and I just want to remind everybody that if you have a question, comment, again, do let us know here at the station, or you can find me here at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. We do thank you for listening. We welcome any of your questions as well, and we wish you a very, very happy and at least a very pleasant, if not a hot, Fourth of July weekend. Until we meet again, God bless you all.